Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planning churches. You're about to hear a message that was preached live from one of our recent church services. We hope that you'll open your heart to hear the Holy Spirit speaking directly through this message. Stay tuned after the message for information on how to get connected with us. Thanks again, and enjoy today's message. We want to uh, ask you to open up your Bible to Genesis chapter 13, if you join me there, Genesis chapter 13. And if you are not already aware, we want to make you aware that uh, we have, uh, with the start of the new year, we have recently started a new Bible reading plan. And uh, we want to encourage you uh, to join us if you don't already have a Bible reading program. If you'll stick to this plan, you will finish the entire Bible within one year's time. And uh, the, 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 the fun thing about that is when we're all on the same Bible reading plan, we're all reading through the same scriptures at about the same time. It means that God is able to deal with us in, in similar themes, right? And uh, we're reading the same scriptures, which means we're all being impacted by the word of God at the same time. This uh, verse we're going to read in just a moment, it, it was inspired as I was reading through the daily Bible reading program. And uh, from the life of Abraham, as we were talking about this morning in our Sunday school. So you can see how God is just weaving his will through his word. And I want to encourage you uh, with us to uh, get on that Bible reading program. So Genesis chapter 13, um, I was pondering this week at the incredible ability that God put into us. So the Bible says that the man and his wife in the garden, they were made in the image of God. Now that means a lot of things. There's a lot to unpack there, and I don't want to take the time to do that in this moment. But one of the things that it means to be made in God's image is the ability to make decisions in life. I am amazed that God, in His wisdom, that He saw it fit when He created man and woman in the garden, He gave them a part of his image, a part of his character, which is the ability to determine your destiny based on your decisions. This is uh, different than other creatures in the animal kingdom. This is one thing that makes us unique as part of God's creation, that we are able to make decisions that will have profound impact on where you end up in life. Is that true? And especially in our youth, in the, in the adolescent years, uh, that decisions that are made in, those, in that time have long-lasting impact. Uh, but it's not just in our adolescence. How many know we make decisions? We make decisions about money. We make decisions about relationships. We make decisions about our work, our job. We make decisions about, about church, about the will of God, about ministry. We make decisions about who we spend time with, what we give our attention to. And every one of those decisions, whether we realize it or not, they are putting us on a path. When you make a decision to go one way, it means you're making the decision to not go another way. And in our scripture, we're going to look at a decision, uh, a decision that was made and the profound impacts that it had on the life of Abram and his nephew, Lot. And this can teach us a lot this morning. I pray that God will speak to you. A message I've titled, 
decisions of destiny. Let's read together Genesis 13, beginning with verse 1. Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had. Lot was with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and I, to the place of the altar, which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Lot also, who went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And the Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. Decisions of destiny. Let's pray. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. And once again, we thank you for your word. Once again, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in your house, Lord, to hear your word and to receive it by faith, God. I pray for those who today are in the valley of decision. Lord, that you would speak to them clearly about the path forward, that you would help us to make righteous decisions that would glorify you and put us on the path toward destiny in you. We give you glory for the purpose of God, for the grace of God, for the mercy of God. We give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. Now, let's, uh, let's look at Abraham, first of all. And uh, Abraham is not called Abraham, technically, yet in our scripture. This is before God has changed his name. He is known only as Abram. And as we uh, come into this chapter here in chapter 13, uh, if you are familiar with the story, you know that Abram is coming out of a very bad decision that he had just made. The Bible says in previous chapters that there was a famine in the land where God had told him to go. Abram was called at the age of 70 years old. At age 70, God spoke to him as he was there in his home location called Ur of the Chaldeans. And at 70, God said, I want you to get up from where you are. I want you to leave your place of comfort. I want you to leave and take your family with you and go, uh, go leave, leave from, your, uh, from your culture, from your family, from your uh, traditions, from your, uh, from your language even, and go to a place that I'm going to show you. And by faith, Abram obeyed God at 70 years old. I thank God for that scripture, and uh, I don't know if you've been following in the Bible app, but when I read that again this week, I'm grateful that God called a 70-year-old man out of his comfort zone, because if Abram can do it, that means you, at 20 or 30 or 40, God can do that for you, right? Or 50 or 60. No matter where you're at, that God can call you out of your comfort zone also, and we don't have an excuse well, you know, I'm, I'm old news now, washed up. No, Abram at 70, that was the beginning of his story. And when he obeyed God at 70 years old, God said, I'm going to put a plan in motion. I'm going to put a destiny before you. I will make you a great nation. So the short version of the story, Abram leaves his homeland. He, uh, he steps out and he goes into this place that God calls him. And all of a sudden, there's a famine. 
And we don't understand this in our modern day because famines, at least here in America, are uh, not a thing. And so, you know, we're dying of obesity these days. But uh, famine was a, uh, was a life sentence. It's a death sentence. And so uh, he gets afraid. And the Bible says that in the famine, he makes a decision to go down to Egypt. Now, you have to understand, anytime you see Egypt in the Bible, it's a picture of the world, the world and its system, the world and its ways, the world and its culture. The ways of the world are represented in Scripture by Egypt. So this is really a mistake that, that Abraham makes. And, uh, and as we mentioned this morning in our Bible study, see, the life of faith is not a life without mistakes. Don't get the idea that living for God, your life is going to be peaches and cream the rest of your life. No, you're going to make a few mistakes, and those mistakes are probably going to have consequences. Abram certainly made a mistake by going down to Egypt. We know that in Egypt, that his faith was overcome by fear. And because he he goes down there and he says to himself and to his wife, he says, "Uh, Sarah, you're, you're so beautiful. Uh, at 50 years old, that all of the people of Egypt are going to try to kill me and then steal you from me. And so he begins telling this wives' tale. Uh, She's my sister, which technically is half true because uh, Sarai was a half-sister of his. But but so he says, uh, to protect you and me, let's tell this little fib and hopefully everything will turn out. Well, it wasn't a great idea. It loosed terrible consequences into the life of Abram. And so now as we approach this chapter here, chapter 13, this is after that big mistake of Egypt. And Abram says, let's get out of here, girl. Let's go back to the plan of God. And that's why it says in verse 1, Abram went up from Egypt. Everybody say the the word up. Now, up is not just a direction on a map. Up is a direction of moving toward the will of God. It's more than just a geographic location. Coming out from Egypt and into the place where God wanted them to be is a step up out of flesh, out of sin, out of bondage. Now, the reason I mention that is because every one of us, somewhere in our life, we've got an Egypt. We've got a place that we ran to in the time of fear. We've got a decision that we made out of the flesh. We've got a time that we can look back at, uh, or maybe you're in the midst of it this morning. You realize, I'm here because I made a mistake. And that personal Egypt, that place that God didn't tell Abram to go to Egypt, he said, I'll go to Egypt because I think there's food down there. And uh, in those places of life uh, that that we have to uh, escape from them, this is also the story of Exodus, isn't it? The story of Exodus, where God's people became slaves, where? In Egypt, same place, a picture of the world. And if you stay in Egypt for too long, that's what happens. You become a slave. Jesus said, he who sins becomes a a slave to sin. And thank God that Abram made the decision to get out of there. He went up out of Egypt. Every one of us, there there is a destination that God has for you. And that destination is not Egypt. But often we want to flee to Egypt. We want to flee to the place where uh, the world says is the best for us. Isn't it interesting? The world says things like, follow your heart. A lot of people think that that's a scripture in the Bible. 
It is not. I dare you to find it because it's not. Follow your heart. No, because the Bible says that he, the man who follows his own heart is desperately wicked. The heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And a man who does what he wants to do, it ends up in destruction. And so many of us, we follow our heart or we follow our desires or we follow our flesh, and it leads us down to Egypt. The story of the Word of God, the story of Abram, the story of God's people is a story of God bringing His people up out of Egypt. This is what Jesus came to accomplish, isn't it? Jesus came down to the world. He came to die on the cross, to shed His blood, to deliver us up out of our personal Egypts. That decision that Abram made, that mistake, it could have been fatal. It could have been the end of his story. But thank God he was able to recover. I'm grateful this morning that the Bible doesn't give us some kind of Greek God for the heroes of our faith, right? The Bible gives us real people who had real problems, who made real mistakes. It does not uh, sugarcoat the, the mistakes that the heroes made. It says that even in uh, their struggles, even when his fear conquered over his faith that Abram was able to recover. That's hopeful for you this morning. You know why? Because you're going to make a few mistakes. You're going to fall down a few times. You're, the, the, the enemy is going to be successful at tempting you a few times in your life. There's a difference between falling into sin and jumping in with both feet, right? But even, even in the best of circumstances, there's going to be times that you are led astray. There's going to be times that the world has its way. There's going to be times you'll be pressured by family, by the world, by your own flesh, by the devil, and you'll make a few mistakes. But here's the hope. You don't have to stay there. You can come up out of Egypt. Proverbs 24, 16. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. A righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. Did you hear what that said? The, the proof of your righteousness is not that you never fall. It's that you fall and then you get back up. To read the story of Abram is to read a story of a, a righteous man that God is calling to incredible destiny and his stumbling and falling down along the way. But thank God that he got back up. Psalm 37, 24, Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Think about Peter. Again, another great hero of our faith, a disciple of Jesus, the leader of the early church. But guess what? Made a lot of dumb mistakes. If there's hope for Peter, there's hope for you. Peter, who denied the Lord three times, and then a few weeks later stood up and preached the gospel to thousands of people on the day of Pentecost. There's hope for Peter. There's hope for you. But the question is, how, how do we properly recover from the mistakes that we have made? From the story of Abram, what we learn here from our scriptures is that he had to go back before he went forward. You heard the saying, two steps forward, three steps back? Before he could move forward, he had to go back. It's a perfect picture of repentance. I want to I just remind you this morning how important repentance is in the life of believers. Do you know, do you know how we get saved? The Bible says we have to repent, right? Repentance means it means a turnaround. It means part of repentance is confession. Confession means saying the same thing that God says. 
And so when we confess our sins before the Lord, we say, Lord, I agree with you that the way I'm living was not right, and I'm going to turn away from that. Repentance is not 360. Repentance is 180. It means I'm going down this road that I know is going to lead to death. I recognize that. I'm going to turn around, and I'm going to go back the right way. Okay, that's repentance. That's how you get saved. If you're not saved, that's how you get saved today. You confess your sins, you, you repent of them, you turn away from them, and you trust in Jesus to deliver you, okay? But repentance is not just for the sinner or for the un, unconverted. Hey, repentance is for not just them out there, it's for us in here. I didn't get a whole lot of amens there, but that's true. Do you know how Jesus taught us to pray? Forgive us this day our trespasses. That's, that is a, a prime example of prayer that Jesus was teaching us. That Part of our daily communication with God is, Lord, I recognize I still need repentance. There's still a few parts of my life that are headed off in the wrong direction. I need to turn around here. I have a few thoughts. I have a few ideas. I have a few attitudes. Hello, somebody. I have a few habits that I realize they're still down there in Egypt that need to turn around. And so what Abram shows us in our scriptures, he had to go back to where he came from before he could proceed forward into the will of God. It says our scripture that he went to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. In other words, exactly the spot where he was when he had that terrible idea to go down to Egypt He was sitting in that spot. He said, oh, man, it's bad. I'm hungry. I don't know where my next meal's coming from. Let's go to Egypt. And he goes down, and he has this this failure, and and there's consequences for that. He gets rebuked by 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 the pagan Pharaoh. And now, as he's getting back on track, the way that he got there was he went back to the place where he was at the beginning, at the beginning. So let me ask you, where did you get off track? Do you remember the place where the thought crossed your mind? Oh, maybe I should listen to that person who has no idea about the kingdom of God. Maybe I should follow that advice that I saw on The View or on Jerry Springer. You know, when you get your advice from from the world, don't be surprised when it leads you to Egypt. What were the reasons? What were the emotions? What were the motivations that led you there? And Abram had to go back to the spot on the map. He went back to that same tent where the idea came from, and he said, right there, now, now that I'm back, now I can go forward. The second thing he had to do, he had to go back to the altar, back to the sacrifice that he had made. It says that uh, he went to the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. What is the altar? The altar is the place where sacrifices are made. You know, we don't read about Abram making any altars down in Egypt. Down in Egypt, that was a place of comfort. It was a place with, uh, that he could understand with his mind. It was a place of transactions. It was a place of uh, uh, understanding, human understanding, right? But, uh, the, but the Bible says that we're supposed to seek the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. And so the second thing that Abram does here is that he goes back, not just to the tent, but he also goes back to the altar. He goes back to the place of the sacrifice. He, go, he, he lights up the fire on the altar once again, 
and he begins to slay the animal. Now, this is interesting because this is before the laws of Moses. This is before the laws of, uh, of uh, uh, covering sin by, by blood, right? But he knows that there's something at the altar that God is pleased by his sacrifice. See, you can tell. You can tell where you're living this morning. If you're living in Egypt, you're probably pr- living pretty comfortable. There's no altar in Egypt. But when he goes back to the promised land, he goes back to the place God is calling him, he's also going back to an altar, a place where something has to die. Aren't you glad for conviction? Aren't you glad for the Word of God? When you read the Word and you seriously seek it, can I tell you, parts of you are going to die. The parts of you that are not bringing you to heaven. The Bible says there is a war going on. It's not the war between, between, uh, between Israel and Hamas. The war that's happening every day is between the spirit and the flesh. They're at war. How do you know who's going to win? Which one do you give yourself to? Which one do you feed? If you feed your flesh, your flesh will win. But if you give yourself to the spirit of God, you surrender to the spirit of God, you study the word of God, guess what? That causes us to crucify our flesh, to mortify the flesh, put to death the deeds of the body, as Paul said. And that's how the Spirit can win. When you are living the will of God, guess what? You're not going to be comfortable, that's for sure. I lived for God uh, since I was, seriously, since I was about 17, 18 years old. Very few, very small amount of time have I been comfortable during that time. I'm not even comfortable preaching to you this morning, to be honest. It's not comfortable to read the Word of God. God doesn't want you to be comfortable. How many good decisions did you make when you were comfortable? <laughs> How many decisions? I mean, uh, let me not go off on a tangent. Abram had to go back to the altar. He had to go back to the place of discomfort. He had to do what he did before. So many people say, God, give us revival. God, pour out your spirit. God, give us the days of the book of Acts once again in 2024. That's a good prayer. But you know how we get there? If we want to see the things that they saw, we have to do the things that they did. And if we're not willing to do what they were doing, then we're never going to see what they saw. You know what they were doing when the Holy Spirit came and fell on them? They were praying. They were praying together, corporately. The prayer meeting. The true life of the church is not in the Sunday morning service. The true life is in the prayer meeting. They were together of one heart and one mind. In other words, they were not divided. There was no schism. The spirit of unity. The Bible said that in that state that they that they sold what they had and brought it to the apostles' feet. They said, we just want to be a blessing. Their finances were together too. All of these things, and we say, Lord, we want what they want. We want to see what they saw, but are we willing to do what they did? Jesus said to his church in Revelation chapter 2, he said, I have this against you that you've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. The third thing that Abram did is he called on the name of the Lord. Again, the Bible never says that he did this in Egypt. Whose name was he calling on in Egypt? He was calling on Pharaoh. He was calling on his own wisdom. He never called on the name of the Lord. It was there and only there that Abram called out to God. 
This marks the, the moment of God's restoration of Abram back to his destiny. He was diverted for a time. He was going the wrong direction for a time. But here, this is the moment. As he returns to his tent, as he returns to the altar, as he returns to the Lord, that God puts him back on track. Listen, God wants to put us back on track. Some of us are in the middle of a diversion. Some of us are in the middle of a flesh-fueled distraction. You're on the side journey. You know, I, I, I don't play a lot of video games, but I've heard that there, you know, in the video games that there's the main mission, and then there's the sidetrack mission. That really doesn't have anything to do with the end goal. And some of us, for some of us, we live our whole life on the side mission when God has a bigger purpose for us. Man, Egypt is fun. Egypt is exciting. Yeah, Egypt is where all the, all the, all the girls and all the, all the uh, entertainment. And, uh, but God's, God wasn't there. God wasn't in Egypt. And it's here that God puts him back on track. My call to you this morning. Some of us need to make some decisions like Abram did. He had to be honest with himself and humble enough to recognize I've gone the wrong way. Do you know the, the problem with going the wrong way? is that the human personality, we have to defend the things that we've done even when they're stupid things. Have you ever met somebody in the midst of doing something stupid? And you tell them, you say, I don't know if this is a good idea. And the first instinct, gut reaction is, well, I'm making the decision, so it must be right. And they'll come up with all the good reasons and ideas why the stupid thing I'm doing is the right thing. We have to defend our lives, the human personality. And so one of the best things you can do in your life is to look at what's happening and be honest and humble enough to say, hmm, is this really the right way? You know, I pray, I pray in, in church services that God, the Holy Spirit, would be able to speak to people and let them be honest. Let them be honest about their lives. Instead of defending ourselves and, and defending our bad decisions and the reasons why we're in Egypt, God, that you would break through and help us to see that we, He has a greater destiny and purpose for us, but we have to get back to where He called us from. We have to go back to the tent, back to the altar, and back to the Lord. I want to close by looking at Lot for just a few moments because this is not just the story of Abram. It's the story of Abram's family. And when you read the story of Lot, there's, there's a lot there. Lot, there's a lot with Lot. And uh, uh, that's probably for another sermon. But I just want to look at this particular moment in Lot's life. We know what it leads to. It's a big mess. But what is the thing that divided these two? We have Abram and Lot, his uncle and nephew. And so at, up until this moment, Lot has been a faithful follower. He's been... Um, a supporter. Maybe you could even call him a disciple of Abram this entire time. And you know, following Abram had made Lot very successful. When you are following the one that God has called to greatness, guess what? You're going to end up with some greatness also. And so Lot made a good decision by following Lot. And it says this in verse 5, Lot who went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. There's a lot of blessing in knowing and keeping your place in life. Just like a bird who wanders from his nest, so is a man who wanders from his place. That's in Proverbs. And so when Lot 
is in the place that God wanted him to be, faithfully following and supporting his uncle Abram, there was incredible blessing in his life. This is a good lesson, no matter where you are in your life. If you are a, a, a child, it's a blessing to follow the will of your parents. If you're a wife, to follow the will of your husband, to be a disciple, to follow the will of God through your pastor, to, as a citizen of a nation, to follow the authorities that God has pl- placed in our lives. And, and we, we can see this, that there is blessing in that. We're not just following the authority that God put over. We're following God as he has allowed that authority in people above us. That the, 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 the head of every uh, wife is the husband, and the hud, head of the husband is Christ. And when you're in your place, man, there's blessing that flows down through that authority. I know that that's a good idea in theory, but <laughs> sometimes it's not easy in practice, is it? Do you know who this dude is? It would be easy for Lot to look at Abram and say, God, he's, he made a mistake. Why should I keep following? And yet, this, this ended up being the very moment where the blessing of Lot gets broken when he makes a decision to separate from Abram. This is the, the scripture when we're going to close. Verse 6, Now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. There was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. Now these are, these are obvious, that there, there are some problems there that need to be worked out. It's an issue. And so Abram is trying to, uh, to be the magnanimous one and say, you know, uh, Lot, I'll give you a preference of which way you want to go. Uh, if you decide to go left, then I'll go to the right. If you want to go to the right, then I'll go to the left, and uh, we can part ways, and uh, everything will be great. And I wish, I wish that Lot would have heard this and said to Abram, said, Uncle, listen, I care about you. You care about me. Can't we work this out? Don't you wish Lot would have said something like that? We don't have to divide over this. We don't have to, we don't have to be divided. We don't have to have different areas. Listen, I can send my men to one section one day and your men to, and we can work this out. We, we're family after all. But instead, Lot sees the opportunity. He says, I'm accomplished now. He thinks to himself, oh, I, I, I can handle this. And he looks down, the Bible says he looked at the plains of Sodom, that they were quite fertile. He said, I could thrive there. And so Lot made a decision that day. He didn't know. Don't you wish you could flip a few pages and say, Lot, wait, before you do this, this decision is going to take you to the valley, to the Jordan Valley, which is next to the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Just flip the page a few times and see what's going to happen next. Please, Lot, please take the time to look into the, into the future and see what the consequence of this decision is going to be. Because in a few short years, two of your daughters will be dead. Your wife will be a pillar of salt. The other two daughters are going to seduce you in a cave and birth future enemies for the people of God. Man, is that in the Bible? That's like rated R stuff. You know, sometimes I'm reading these Bible scriptures and I'm thinking about my daughters who are reading the same Bible plan at the same time. I'm like, man, I want a filter. Is there a filter for the Bible? But that's true. That's reality. Don't you wish, Lot, there's some way that he could have seen the consequences of this one decision? Can I tell you, as a pastor, there are moments that people come to me 
and start explaining to me all the things that they're about to do. And I feel like that. I, I feel like I wish I could just turn the page a couple of times and see, if you do this, it's not going to lead to good things. And I don't claim to know everything. But I wish that people in the valley of decision, that they would weigh things properly. See, all the, the only thing that Lot could see was the fertile plains. Oh, I could grow some crops down there. There's other things at play. There's relationship. There's family. Future blessing. At this moment, he's going to cut himself off from the blessing of God because God has made a promise to Abram, not to Lot. The covenant is through Abram, not Lot. He thinks, oh, all this blessing is because of me. I'm so smart. I did it myself. I wish that Lot would have said something like what Ruth said to Naomi. Don't you wish? She said, don't, don't let me leave you. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. If he would have said that, the story would have turned out very differently. And so my challenge for you, maybe you're in the in the valley of decision. Maybe you're looking out at the, the valley, the plains of Jordan, where the grass is always greener. Maybe you're thinking, should I put money before the will of God? Should I put the will of God on, on the shelf? He could have gone to Sodom as a missionary, but instead he went as an entrepreneur. It doesn't end up well. This is no doubt painful for Abram. And I want to close by reading this last scripture, verse 14. Abram is now separated from Lot, but the Lord renews his promise. Amen. God's trying to call some of you today. He said, verse 14, the Lord said to Abram after Lot, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, north, south, east, and west, all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and width, for I give it to you. This is the second time God has renewed His promise to Abram. And it's when He makes the decision, I'm not going to go to Sodom. I'm not going to follow that path. In pain, He's watching His, uh, his, his family, uh, his, his nephew, He's watching him make a painful decision. But after this, God says, I'm going to bless you, Abram, for your faithfulness. I want to, I want to challenge you this morning. Decisions have long-lasting consequences in your life. It is so important that we find the will of God. Find the will of God for the path forward for our lives. Maybe you're here, you need to come out of Egypt. Maybe you're here, you're facing a decision of destiny. I pray that God would, would renew His promise in your life. Let's bow our heads this morning. Let's close our eyes for just a few moments as God speaks to His people. For just a few moments, our heads bowed and eyes closed. We'll bring this to a close, but most important part of this service is right now. It's the opportunity that we give in each and every service for each and every person to consider the condition of their own heart. As we'll be honest for just a few moments and examine where we are with God. The truth is, there, there, there could be people here not in God's will. You're, you're, you're living in Egypt, maybe as a result of a decision that took you away from God's will. Maybe as a result of temptation that you fell into. The enemy lied to you and led you to a place of distraction, side mission. 
Maybe you're here this morning and it's your sin. There's there's something that is separating you from God. We're all sinful. We've all fallen short of God's glory. We'd be honest for a moment. Nobody here deserves God's righteousness, God's mercy, God's grace, God's salvation. And yet, the Bible says, God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And wherever you are located this morning, whatever part of the map you found yourself on today, there's a God who cares about you. And He proved it by sending His Son, Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who was sacrificed so that we could be made right with God. And if you're here this morning, you need that more than anything else. You don't need a nice... uh, a nice homily on Sunday morning, a nice uh, a message to encourage you. What you desperately need is forgiveness for sins. It is found through repentance and faith in Jesus. If you're here, you'd be willing to say, yes, I know I've made mistakes. I know I'm not right with God. I know I'm far from Him, but I want to be right with God. Then I want to pray with you this morning. There is enough. The blood of Jesus is enough to cleanse us from all sin and to put you on a path toward life. If you need that this morning, could I pray with you? You'd be courageous for just a moment. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need what you're talking about. I need a new beginning, a new start with God. Would you lift up your hand? I want to pray with you. Is there someone here? Thank you for that hand. Someone else. God's speaking to you. You're feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He's drawing you back into His presence, into His will. He's pulling you up out of Egypt this morning, and you're ready to receive that. Is that you? Quickly, you'd lift up your hand. I want to pray with you. Is there someone else? Being honest before the Lord. Thank you for that hand. Is there someone else? God's speaking to you as well. You want to receive this, what what God has for you. It's time to change direction. You know you've been going the wrong way, but thank God He gives us the grace and the time and He is long-suffering that He he allows us to make make a change. If you be willing to confess your sins, repent of them, and turn to Christ, the Bible says old things can pass away. Everything can become new. Thank you for listening to this message from the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach. If you sense the Holy Spirit drawing you out of your sins and into a new life with Him, pray this prayer from your heart today. God in heaven, I know I've sinned against you. I've hurt people, I've hurt myself, and I've broken your laws. Today, I turn from my sins as I surrender to your perfect will. I believe Jesus Christ is your Son and that He died and rose again for me. I receive Him today as my Lord and Savior. May the old things of my past pass away as you make me a new creation. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit to give me strength to live for you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. We want to help you live for God. Please join us in person for one of our upcoming church services. We are located in the heart of Virginia Beach at 1045 Lynn Haven Parkway, about one mile from the Lynn Haven Mall. Please check the show notes for links to our website and social media. You can also find a link to support this ministry with a generous donation. We would be so grateful. We look forward to sharing future messages here on the VBPH Sermon Podcast. In the meantime, we pray that God would strengthen you to serve Him with all your heart.